only run their mouth. Mouth don't throw punches. Punches throw punches. The fight happens in the ring. Are you ready, champ? Like, like I cannot not be ready, right? Like, I ain't been doing my job for eight to ten weeks, right? Okay, okay. Like, I got here overnight, right? What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 165 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. I'm Kenny Keith. And I'm joined for the second time this week, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? Got me working overtime, brother. What the hell, man? <laughs> it is late. It is uh, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in the U.S. So, look, I want to uh, start the show a little different, but I got a, got a little little fighter quote here. I want to see if I can get you to name who Ooh. it came from. Oh, a little trivia. Active fighter. Well, okay. Um, active might be an overstatement. Let's just say... <laughs> Current. <laughs> current current fighter okay very few fighters can fill wembley stadium ken mm. i am one of them very few fighters can fill wembley stadium and i am one of them well considering the uh, level of arrogance of that statement i'm going to have to go with my boy one of my all-time favorite fighters the cobra carl frotch <laughs> Wrong. Well, would Anthony Joshua say something like that already? No. We know he can do that. (laughs) None other. So it's not somebody that's actually done it? No. No, 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 no. Not somebody that's even come a third of the way from doing it in any other arena. Billy Joe Saunders? No. Chris Eubank? None other than your boy, (laughs) Amir King Khan. Oh. (laughs) What a fucking delusional idiot. And against who will that be? Is he is he banking on Kell Brook beating Errol Spence this Does weekend? that fight fill <laughs> Wembley Stadium? Absolutely not. No. You could fill the O2, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, considering that we've, we've recently heard that we're going to be a part of an Amir Khan documentary. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, should we take it easy on the guy? I mean, that is the most ridiculous fucking well, statement. Well, I don't think Amir Khan's making the documentary. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good shit, man. Good shit. All right, welcome everybody to the second episode of the week. Last week was the three-year anniversary of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast as Van and I brought you the post-fight of Terrence Crawford versus Felix Diaz, Gravata Davis versus Liam Walsh, and the, uh, well, the escapades that was, no, not the escapades, (laughs) (laughs) the escapades of uh, the Durrell family as they visited locally here. In the Washington D.C. metropolitan area, but Vin, it was a shit show on I, ice. We I can think, call it that. I think, <laughs> I think they left something behind. Did Any, they? Anybody found Leon yet? Leon still on the loose, buddy. Leon on the loose. Be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com today and subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. And be sure to subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel follow us on twitter at vince cummings 81 and at kenny keith jr all right then uh an unexpected weekend in boxing last week yeah um every single color of the spectrum was covered as it pertains to what you could expect and what could be delivered in the world of professional boxing yeah unfortunately the worst part of it got the most coverage it did (laughs) it did leon if you out there Thank you, Leon. Thank you, Leon. Good job, Unc. (laughs) (laughs) But this weekend, uh, the focus turns towards Sheffield, England. Yes, sir. We have a huge fight this weekend. 
Kel Brook defends his IBF welterweight title against his mandatory challenger. The up-and-coming, they call him the truth. They say he is the next face of American boxing. And that's Errol Spence. You know, before we get into the brass tacks of this fight, Ben, before we break down and make our predictions for this, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the terror attacks that happened um, last night in Manchester, England. At the Manchester Arena. Yeah. Who, you know, the, the Manchester Arena has hosted so many memorable boxing events, has been such a mainstay. It's one of the major cities in the United Kingdom. Um, and some, you know, some fanatic, some lunatic, some psychopath um, goes in there after a pop concert, a little kid's concert, an Ariana Grande concert. Our, our, our friends have little girls that are eight or nine years old and love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that stuff. Some suicide bomber goes in after the concert. 22 people confirmed dead and uh, over 60 uh, injuries involved in that. And, you know, really, I, I know this is a boxing podcast and we try to stay away from, you know, I, we get drug into the world around us because, let's be honest, boxing is an international sport. So you're always going to be commenting on the situation of the fighters that are, you know, participating in these matches. But one has to think, I mean, me personally, I haven't been back to Oriole Park at Camden Yards, uh, you know, here in Maryland. I'm a huge Orioles fan. Used to have season tickets for, for, you know, close to 15 years. Been to hundreds of games. I have not revisited the stadium since the riots that took place outside of him where patrons of the Orioles games were assaulted by these rioters. I haven't been back to a game. I don't know if I will ever go back to one of these games. And now you see this happen literally on the eve of this great matchup, the champion who has taken a big risk, who is now coming back down to defend what is his against who is considered the second coming. This is supposed to take place at Bramwell Lane in Sheffield, England. This is a big soccer stadium. There's going to be 20, 25,000 people at this, at this fight. 30,000. I don't even know how big the fucking stadium is. It's a big stadium, right? Yeah, they're calling for 25 to 30. Good. Okay, so... These people, you know, I know Sheffield, England is in northern England, but still Manchester, it's not like it's, you know, uh, you know, from the United States. I mean, this is the same country. This is not far away. How do you feel as a fan a week after this happens going into a large stadium like that? If it can happen, if something as despicable and deplorable and just downright evil can take place at the Manchester Arena during a, 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 a little kid's pop rock concert, an Ariana Grande concert, why wouldn't it happen at a spectacle like Kell Brook versus Errol Spence? Uh, you got to think that security is going to be ramped up big time, obviously. I mean, whenever something like this happens, the uh, the ears go up, you know, uh, the the authorities come out, and, and it's just, it's, you know, you, it's at least going to be in the back of everybody's minds walking into that place, and it's just, it's a fucking shame, man. It's you see shit like that happen, and, and, and on top of it to be young kids, uh, you know, you don't even know what to say. It's just the most vile, fucking disgusting thing. I, I just, I can't even comprehend it. It doesn't compute in my brain that somebody could be that fucking vile, man. It's 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 disgusting. You got to hope that this thing's going to come off without any hitches, man. Uh, and And normally when something like this happens, 
there's not one to follow very soon after, but everybody walking in there is going to be thinking about it. You know that. Absolutely. I mean, dude, it's uh, it's definitely all that's going on right now for as much focus as this fight has had in the United Kingdom, especially coming off the momentum that was Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko. Mm-hmm. This is a huge event. This is an event for the casual and the diehard in the UK, more so the diehards in the United States. But Errol Spence has been in the public eye fighting on big cards on national television, has had 6 million people tune into one of his say, fights. He's had more people view him in one fight than anybody has. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, look, the eyes over here in the United States will definitely be on this fight. The sporting fans will be looking at this fight. But I'm telling you right now, um, <laughs> old Edward Hearn, Sir Edward, as you like to call him, had better be dropping some dime on uh, on beefed-up security for this one. Oh, I, I guarantee there will be. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, how, how can you not? Um, I'll tell you what. All that stuff aside, to me, the most intriguing part of this fight is you have, you have the U.S. side and the British side. You have complete backing of their guy for the most part. Mm-hmm. You have the diehard boxing fan that will go one way or the other that – where that's not the case in the casual fan base. They're backing who they're backing. And I'll tell you what, man, it, it just adds a little something to the fight because you got they, – they call it the American hype job coming over mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, and, and they constantly bring up the uh, Jeff Lacey coming over and getting – this is when you see the highlights of that fight come out. The hype job, Jeff Lacey shows up to apparently knock out Joe Calzaghe, and that was a complete ass-whooping in the other direction. And I think a lot of them think that's coming this way. This is a completely different fighter, man. Errol Spence, although he hasn't established himself as the truth yet in his career, I don't think that moniker fits him perfectly. This is a battle of the two biggest welterweights in the world, Mm -hmm. okay? Really, no matter how you slice it. The narratives coming into this, like you just covered, on the Errol Spence side, you have this perceived, well, he's either the truth, or he's Jeff Lacey, right? Mm-hmm. The Kell Brook side of this, you have a guy that uh, was able to show sort of his level of strength, style, controlling of fights. Kell Brook established himself against Sean Porter to win that title, and then everybody expected him to go on to these, you know, these great things, and it, he, everything became stagnant. Everything became Frankie Gavin. Everything became JoJo Dan, mm. Kevin Bizier. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Kel Brook was feeling the heat, especially from the UK public. Who are you? Who are you, Kel Brook? So he decides to take the biggest leap of them all. Goes up to 160 pounds. Well, almost. And takes on the middleweight monster, Gennady Golovkin. You know, he shows well early in the fight and then ends up getting his face jammed through his eye socket. <laughs> it was a brutal brutal outcome for Kell Brook. So you have these two factors with Kell Brook. You have the fact that his face was bashed in, his orbital bone crushed back into his skull, right? That is devastating in in and of itself. And then this, I don't know if it's a taller task than recovering from surgery, but for him, I, I don't know what it's like to have to go from one weight all the way up to this other weight and then all the way back down past the weight that you were comfortably at to get down to where you are the world champion. Did, did you see today who's on weight already? Kell Brook, and that's, you know, and, 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 and you just said it, and that's exactly what I'm getting to. 
is that even though that that is such a huge part of this story, and I said it when we have briefly talked about this fight before, is that if this if all things were even and Kell Brook had just been fighting at 147 and this fight came off, I would favor Kell Brook in this fight 60 to 40. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I'd favor him. But now, to me, this is a 50-50 fight just based off of the simple fact that he had to go from 160 back down to 147. Seeing his training, seeing how healthy he looks, how strong he looks, Kell Brook looks like he is ready for Errol Spence. He looks like he understands the task that is at hand, not only taking on a great, uh, perceived great American fighter, but a guy that's not even proven yet. Kell Brook does not want to be a stepping stone. No, no, uh, there's no way, I, especially I, you're thinking about a guy that at least has enough pride and and in challenging himself to move up and, and thinks that well of himself and then comes back down. And, and quite frankly, I'll ask you this and I'll, I'll put this question to anybody out there. Take Manny Pacquiao out of the equation. Look at the whole welterweight division. Is it that far of a stretch to say that the two best welterweights in the world are fighting on Saturday? It's not. Is is that a stretch? I mean, I I understand Errol Spence hasn't proven it with wins on his record, but just based on the eye and just watching both of them, I don't think that's a fucking stretch at all. There's not one American welterweight that wants anything to do with Errol Spence. They well, would run and they will run and hide from him for at least another year. Well, I think that's what lends weight to what you just said is exactly that factor. Because I think we'd both agree, you know, that Kell Brook and Keith Thurman right now are the two best welterweights in the world if you take Manny Pacquiao out of it. Right. If Manny Pacquiao, it's not, we're not removing him from the equation because we don't think that Manny Pacquiao can beat these guys because I know I do. He's just not a part of the future of the division. No, because he's not going to fight these guys. He's right. not going to put any of these guys over. Right. You know what I mean? He's, he's just, it's not going to happen. So you have to remove him from it. I tell you what, though, besides Kell Brook and Keith Thurman, it's Errol Spence. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, you know, you, you let your eyes tell the story when it comes to Errol Spence. And both me and you have been very, very critical oh, of, of, of the way. Go this, back two years when we were talking about him as a prospect. Yeah, I mean, we just wanted him because we see it. And you want it to just, you know, don't let this kid's skills level off against shitty competition. Let's fucking progress. And that, it took a while. They finally done it. I mean, you can't, you can't fault to where they've gotten him at this point. He's at the prime of his career, perfect time to be fighting for a title and to be doing it in another country. I got all the respect in the world for this kid because he does it the fucking right way. For everything that we hear about Errol Spence in this country, the kid takes the sport just about as serious as you can possibly take it. And there's nothing surrounds this kid outside of the ring. He's just a... He's a boxer, and that's what he does. He's not a, he's not out fucking around and getting in trouble. No, that that ain't Errol Spence. And to me, that's a difference in how why this kid is so damn good. He's a guy that takes the sport very very seriously. He envisions envisions himself amongst the greats of an era. We know he has the talent to be that. Yeah, I don't think anybody disputes that. I mean, in this division, it's 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 pretty clear. Errol Spence is has the leverage of youth on his on you know on his side to be able to still make this weight and be as big and strong as he has proved to be. Okay, mm-hmm. people are bringing up with Errol Spence are saying, "Hey, you saw what he did to Chris Algieri." I agree. I yeah. agree with all these people that say 
Nobody expected him to blast Chris Algieri out of that fight in five rounds. Completely agree with all of that. Okay. But let me ask you this. Where would Chris Algieri have been in that Errol Spence fight had he not taken a two-round bludgeoning from Ruslan Provodnikov and had not been involved in one of the... If there was an award for beating of the year, (laughs) Pacquiao Algieri was beating of the year. That was 12 rounds, six knockdowns. So let's take six knockdowns against Pacquiao over the distance in a beating for for two, I mean, brutal, brutal physical beating from Ruslan Provodnikov. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if those had just been regular, you know, build-up, you know, uh, preparatory fights for Chris Algieri? Would Errol Spence still blasted him out in the fifth round? He's not even – Chris Algieri's not a real welterweight either. He should be fighting at 140. No, but you have to take this into consideration, though, don't you? Oh, absolutely. You can't just use – the fifth round knockout is of 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 Chris Algieri to show, hey, he did what he wasn't supposed to do. Right. No, I, I I don't give that as much credence to that knockout as as it probably should because for all the all the facts that you just stated, I'm sorry, Chris Algieri is a small ass welterweight. Yeah, I mean, outside of Ruslan Provodnikov, he spent all that time at 140 pounds, and he wasn't fighting the biggest punchers in the world. No, no, uh, look. I understand that they probably had trouble finding guys to build, you know, names to build up Errol Spence's career. But, uh, you know, Chris Van Heerden, he's schooled Conor McGregor. Hell, yeah. (laughs) Get the hell out of here. Hey, I'm just saying. Look, I'll look at it like this, man. As far as this fight goes, there's a difference in style here. And Errol Spence is more of a, I'm not going to say he's not a boxer because he's a, He's a boxer for sure, but he's more of a boxer puncher and likes to be coming forward. What did we see Kell Brook do to a fighter in Sean Porter that likes to come forward? Oh, he, he, he wrangled him. Now, Errol Spence not nearly the same fighter as Sean Porter is in that style. And not nearly as sloppy. No, 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 no. But to me, I see a fighter in Kell Brook that has a little bit shorter, sharper punches to the target. Mm-hmm. Straighter. You know, I don't know what kind of advantage that gives him here. This this fight is so goddamn close, man. It's it, it's really hard to pick who is going to win this fight. So if it's that close, do we have to go to those intangibles, like the eye socket against Triple G? The well, there's a fucking titanium plate there now. So yeah, I mean, what happens if he gets clipped one hard time by Errol Spence? Yeah, is Errol Spence's power going to translate? against Kell Brook the way it did against Leonard Bundu and Chris Algieri? Well, if you listen to the the Spence Kriegel interview, Spence has knocked everybody out in sparring. Not not for this fight, but he's talking knocked out Broner, gave Floyd a black eye, all all kinds of shit. Like he was that's where he made his name when he was really young, was sparring good fighters and doing very well. Well the fact remains is then is that Chris Algieri, Chris Van Heerden Leonard Bundu, uh, these legendary sparring sessions with Floyd and Broner. <laughs> Dude, this is different. This is Bromwell Lane, 25,000, Sheffield, England, Kell Brook's hometown. If his name is the truth, well, I guarantee you one thing we will learn from this fight. It will be the truth. Yeah. That's for sure. Absolutely. And look, he's on a what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven knockout, seven fight knockout streak right now. I'm not so sure that 
he can finish Kell Brook. I just don't I, – I have a hard time seeing that. And for me, for me, this fight's going to be so close if he's not able to do that. Uh, you, you got yourself a, a serious home field advantage in Kell Brook. This could be a very interesting when it gets to the end, see how these scorecards are if it does go the distance. That's going to play a huge part in this fight, Vin, is in, in, into how Errol Spence's ability to adapt. One of the biggest questions you and I have ever had about this kid on his rise up is what happens in the fight if it goes the distance, if he can't hurt Kell Brook. How is he going to react to that? Will he think that, well, I am fighting in, in, in the lion's den. The judges could be against me. The crowd most certainly will be mm-hmm. against me. Am I going to come out balls to the wall thinking that I'm the bigger, stronger fighter and try to blast Brooke out there? I think there's a big problem with that stylistically for Errol Spence. And I think it's what you touched on at the very beginning of this conversation is that Kell Brook is so straight down the middle and so short to the target with good power. You have two questions here. Can Errol Spence adapt when the going gets tough? That's the first question. Mm -hmm. The second question will be asked when the first Thunderpole straight right hand is landed on Errol Spence's chin. Because those are the two questions for me. Can he adapt against a world-class boxer? And what is his chin really about? Yeah, I, I wish I had had an answer for either one of those because we're not going to find out until this fight because we've never had to see him adapt for one. I mean, there's never, ever been a fight where Errol Spence hasn't been able to be Errol Spence at his best, what he does best. This is not going to happen in that in, in this fight. It, it's I'm sorry, Kell Brook is too damn good. And if people in this country, I know a, there's a lot of them that have probably really only seen him fight twice, the Triple G fight and the Sean Porter fight, unless you've been watching fights in England. But those were two years apart. Exactly. So he's kind of he's just an unknown over here, and he really, besides boxing insiders, gets zero. He's just not even a name that's thrown into conversation. Unless you're talking to me or you or, or any other boxing insider or pundit in this country. He is goddamn. He's goddamn good, Ken. He really is. And he gives any fighter trouble just for the simple fact is he is a big man that stands his ground. He will not back up. He doesn't go on the back foot and run. Yeah, you saw him back away from, Kel, uh, from Triple G, but there was a reason for that. His face was broken. <laughs> I, I'm interested to see what happens when, when Errol Spence runs into a fighter that doesn't back up, that takes a little step to the side and pops a short right right down the middle, and he goes, whoa, what the fuck was that? What is that? Because he's never seen it. Well, he'll either dig deep and he'll overcome shots like that, like he's supposed to, if he wants to be this legendary fighter that he aspires to be, that he trains hard to be, or... It's going to say, welcome to jolly old England, Errol Spence. Yeah. So regardless of all these little X factors, oh, having to get back down to 147, the broken eye socket, I'm unproven, I'm Errol Spence, am I overrated? All these questions bring this thing back to a screeching, grinding, 50-50 pick em. Yeah. So, Vin, tell me your winner, but tell me why you're picking who will win. I am picking Kell Brook to win a very, very, very close decision. And I only think that is because I don't think Errol Spence can finish Kell Brook. Mm. And I think this is going to be a super tight nip and tuck fight to start because I think both fighters are going to be feeling each other out. 
for at least two rounds. Uh, you know, if Errol Spence allows this fight to be boxed and it to for the rounds to be close at all, he is going to lose this fight. And that's kind of how I see it going. I see it being rounds being very tight, hard to score. And I see Kell Brook getting the slight advantage in a fight where afterwards you're gonna there's gonna be a group that said Errol Spence won, and there's gonna be a group that said Kell Brook won. That close. That close. So the fifty fifty fight holds true in yeah. your prediction. Yes. Are you, are you picking a split decision? Uh yeah, I'll say I'll say Brook gets two of the cards. Kell Brook, Ben. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um a lot of people on the American side, especially the ones that have been on the Errol Spence bandwagon ever since the beginning, since the Olympics, since he got jobbed back then, have kind of foreseen this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the biggest names that has always thought that Errol Spence will be the next greatest fighter in the world, not just America, but the world, has been Dan Raphael. Mm -hmm. He has been one of the biggest promoters, and a lot of the momentum that Errol Spence has gained in his career, yeah, it's come with his association with Adrian Broner and Floyd Mayweather. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, they have always kind of been on the Errol Spence bandwagon for the longest time. I, I, dude, I can remember before Errol Spence even fought Chris Algieri, before Floyd retired, that he told Keith Thurman, oh, you got to beat Errol Spence first. Oh, before that's, that's <laughs> you right. remember that? Yes. You got to beat Errol Spence first before you fight me. Keith Thurman's like, what? <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, Floyd? <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, Dan Raphael from ESPN has trumpeted. Uh, Errol Spence all along, Um, you know, the last three years, his rise from prospect into contender um, has been well documented. He's been a prospect of the year on ESPN and, uh, you know, somebody with this big uh, social media following as ESPN's Dan Raphael can definitely help build momentum behind, build a buzz behind a guy like Errol Spence. And I think that part of that had to do with his name kind of sort of being in the mainstream boxing conversation here and there, Floyd dropping a dime to Ellie Secback here and there, um, you know, that Errol Spence was able to achieve 6 million viewers uh, in his network uh, big fight. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Look, man, Kell Brook, I think he's the better boxer. I think he's more compact. I think he's more down the middle. I think Errol Spence likes to get a little wide with his punches. If Kell Brook's eye can hold up in this fight, I think Kell Brook has a really good chance of winning this thing over the distance. I just have a feeling at some point in this fight that Errol Spence is going to hurt Kell Brook to the body. He likes to grind to the body. Mm -hmm. And as long as Errol Spence isn't getting pieced up down the middle, then Spence should be able to land a couple of these thunderous body shots. I think Kell Brook does in some way, shape, or form. It is tougher now than ever. You know what I mean? Especially at his age, especially at going up and, and, and involving himself in what he endured against Gennady Golovkin. I think that those are the factors in this fight. Youth will be served. I'll take Errol Spence by split decision. Yeah. Yeah, I think the difference in this fight is going to be that Errol Spence drops Kell Brook with a body shot, and it's that knockdown points that end up sealing the deal. And it'll be a shot because Kell Brook does not go down. Right. And I, look, I feel like if you're if you're getting a split decision on the Errol Spence side of things, it probably will wind up being a fight where you said Errol Spence clearly won that fight. And maybe it will be. Right. Maybe it will be. I, I Look, if Kell Brook ends up just completely stunting the momentum of Errol Spence in this fight, maybe it's with the jab. Maybe it's like you said, by him standing his ground. I don't disagree with this. I like Kell Brook. 
Mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of Kell Brook. When we used to involve ourselves in the pound-for-pound pound conversation, I always had Kell Brook right there at 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. Always. I don't care who his competition is. We've talked about the same philosophy when judging the likes of Terrence Crawford. It's not necessarily about your opponent. It's about what you do with that level opponent. Mm-hmm. Keith Thurman carried Leonard Bundo. Carried him. Yeah. Carried him. For 11 rounds. 11 fucking tedious rounds of the worst fight of that year. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. He carried him. Errol Spence has done what people of his hype level are supposed to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That doesn't take anything away from Kell Brook's career yeah. at all. If Kell Brook wins this fight, I will not be shocked for a second. But for once in my life, I'm going to say that the American prospect youth will be served. So he pulls himself a Terrence Crawford on Ricky Burns here. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think this fight's a little closer than that. Yes, much closer. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. Either way, man, it will be a scene, and it will be a tense fucking scene. It will. It will. The first few rounds of that fight are going to be tense, really yeah. tense. Yeah. Wouldn't be shocked either way, but you're taking Kell Brook. I'm taking Kell Brook as, as long as my boy doesn't get tired towards the end of the fight from uh, this topsy-turvy weight gain shit. Oh, Kell Brook's been stabbed, Vin. <laughs> he got stabbed by his gay lover, Vin. <laughs> that is the fucking story, isn't it? Well, that's what some uh, boxing pundits in Scotland would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. But maybe it's just the close proximity that Sheffield is to Scotland. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Those northern England towns, uh, yeah, they get worn out a little bit by the Scots, don't they? Yes, they do. Well, it'll be a scene at Bramall Lane in Sheffield, England. Vin taking Kell Brook by split decision. And I'm taking Errol Spence with a knockdown involved to take a split decision himself. We're 50-50 here on episode 165 of the Tale of the Tape, my friend. Yes, sir. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, turn the table a little bit to this Mm co-feature. The vacant WBA super middleweight title on the line. George Groves. Well, George Groves has maneuvered himself into probably the easiest opportunity he'll have for a title. I mean, he did, he did well enough against Padu Jack until, well, what George Grove does happened. And that happened uh, about, what, uh, fourth or fifth round. He starts to turn a different shade of red. Now, haven't we seen this before? This is like the long, winding path of Paul Smith and Martin Murray. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and down the trail behind them comes George Groves. It's manufactured shot after manufactured shot. It's my 13th shot of the title then. George Groves is, I used to be really, really high on Groves. I mean, really high. Coming out of the first Frotch fight, which I thought, and most people thought stoppage was way too early, and he was doing really well until he gassed out. Yeah. We loved his personality. Uh, Yeah, I thought he could sell a fight. Yeah. He had a hell of a jab, and then something, after that that, uh, Frotch Groves 2 fight, man, his soul was taken from him. <laughs> it was it, elevated to the heavens. Yeah, it was taken from him. He's not been the same fighter since. And if you ask me, Fedor Chudnov might as well be swinging pillows in the ring. Yeah, he's very basic. But George Groves, I don't think, will handle, handle Chudnov's pressure very well. I don't think this fight has anything to do with Chudnov's pressure. I mean, I mean it, it might. Right. But I think it's going, I think Chudnoff's pressure or whatever that is, is only going to have success 
from the point that George Groves gasses out. So is it because of Chudinov's pressure? Or is it because of the fact that we know at some point in this fight, George Groves is going to turn an unnatural color of red, he's going to sweat profusely, (laughs) and then he's going to gas out? Yeah, I mean, that's what he does. That's the M.O. (sighs) This is going to go to the distance, and George Groves is going to win this belt. You think so? Uh, It it is written. Yeah. I mean... if he fucks this shot up, I mean, it, you don't get an easier shot at a regular title than this. But the sad part is, though, is that... Oh, I'm sorry, that. this is a super. I forgot. Super duper. Super duper. Super duper. I forgot about that. Yeah, they weren't going to give it to Tyron Zeggy. No. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? Because, no. you know, that regular title doesn't automatically get you that shot at the main title. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, look. George Gross, Fedor Chudinov, this fight is going to be tedious at best. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not very excited about this fight just because Groves doesn't do it for me anymore. Sorry, baby. <laughs> <laughs> just make sure you don't give that bitch a, <laughs> you the right phone number. You know what I mean? Hey, I pay him to leave, Ken. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that does it. The fight preview. Kel Brook versus... Errol Spence from Bramall Lane this Saturday on Showtime from Sheffield England. The IBF welterweight title is on the line. Then as Kel Brook, I have Errol Spence. George Groves versus Fedor Chudinov. I just have a feeling that uh, George Groves is going to bite off more than Egan Chudinov. <laughs> Give me Fedor in this fight, sir. <laughs> He's taking Fedor. <laughs> I'm taking Fedor, yes. Stoppage? No, not stoppage. He's going to win a decision. Yeah, give me George Groves to uh, probably lift the belt after Fedor Chudinov deserved to. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's going to be, be one of those decisions. All right, let's bring it back across to North America. What do you think? Let's do it. All right, it is from Ciudad Obregón in Mexico. This Saturday night on BN Espanol, it's the return of one Orlando Siri Salido as he squares on against Amphon Cerillo in a junior lightweight contest. This, my friend, is one thing and one thing only. Orlando Salidio grabbing un poquito pesos in Mexico. Tuning up his guitar a little bit before he takes a real fight. Yes, and that real fight, which we understand is all but done. Yeah. A date yet to be settled. Vasily Lomachenko squares off against Orlando Salido in the rematch. Hopefully, we're going to Chicago for a fight a little later this year, bud. You want to go to Chicago? What is so unbelievably coincidental then it's crazy that on the same exact weekend the night before the 27th uh-huh. a fight involving top ranked prospects well mike alvarado joins the party <laughs> but along with michael conlon and agidius kavalowskis comes a camera shined down upon by unimas onto the Chicago boxing scene, setting the stage and getting the eyes fixed on that location for the Lomachenko Salido fight. I love it. I've been there before for a fight. That's a great fight town. What fight did you go uh, for? Was it a guy named Fedor? Yeah, a guy named Fedor, but not shooting off. (laughs) Little MMA action. What fight was it? It was uh, Fedor Brett Rogers back in 2009 on a Strikeforce Fox card. Is that the famous uh, weed-smoking incident with a former heavyweight champion of the world? Yes, I would say we uh, we ran into one Ray Mercer at a Chili's, <laughs> a local Chili's near the UIC Pavilion, <laughs> shared some baby back ribs, uh, met him at the fight for a few beverages, and old Ray was attuned up. 
very tuned up. And once he once he heard that your boys had a little ganja, yeah. Oh, Ray was all in. It was like that scene from uh, from Half Baked when <laughs> Snoop sits down hey, dude, and he's I- like, you know, we sell this shit. Oh. That's too bad. I just quit smoking last week. We were, we were hiding behind a sign for the UIC Pavilion, and I'm standing next to Ray Mercer taking a leak, and his piss is splashing on my leg, and I'm like, fucking greatness is hitting me right now, man. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> oh, Vin was like, shower me, Ray. <laughs> shower me with your greatness. <laughs> You sure that was piss? Oh, it was piss. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's so funny? Is that you just recently, probably in the last 10 episodes, told the the Ray Mercer story. So everybody actually got to hear, well, apparently now hearing this, (laughs) what we thought was the real story. Oh, just uh, bottom line is Ray Mercer smoked all of my goddamn weed. And he pissed on you. And and his piss splashed on my leg. Leg. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is epic. Oh, man. I love it. No, I don't love it. What what am I supposed to say? Ray, why don't you move over, son? He was high. He was tranquil. (laughs) You know what I mean? He was laid back. I wasn't saying shit to that man, although he looked like absolute garbage. Oh, Ray Mercer. He's my boy, though. <laughs> he said he was going to be in the corner for his next fight. I'm still waiting for that call. <laughs> Has he fought since then? Was, was that like 10 years ago? Well, it was 2009. Oh. Yeah, I think he had one more MMA fight after that, and it was over. I mean, you could tell. Uh, his life was spiraling out of control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say. <laughs> Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, back to Chicago. Let's do it. Well, I guess we're still in Chicago. Um, Yeah, man, look, Orlando Salido is, uh, let's just hope nothing happens in this fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it will be nice for uh, Lomachenko versus Salido too, the revenge from Chicago. But the fight that comes to Chicago this Friday night on Unimas, Michael Conlon versus Alfredo Chanez, a featherweight contest. Conlon, look, I know how you feel about prospects that are on the rise. You don't need to see all the shit against stiffs, whatever. You know, to a certain degree, I do agree. I do find it very hilarious, very ironic that Michael Conlon is being pitched to a Latino audience. I think this is fantastic. This is his second fight on an all-Spanish-speaking network. Yeah. Uh, Look, he's a fighter. He's going to appeal to the Mexican fight fan, that's for sure. He's going to have to get a little closer to, to Alfredo Chanez than he did his last opponent, though. He's going to prove that he's a fighter. He was uh, very nervous. I, yeah, I think the night McGregor being there was just way too big for a kid's first professional fight, man. Hey, gets the headline, his second professional fight. Right. Um, what's interesting is there's another big banger, another top prospect in the top rank, Stables and Agidius Kavalowskis, the Lithuanian. He can't get all. He can't get out from buried underneath of five fights on a card, man. I don't get it. What I don't get is that he's buried on this card under the return of Mike Alvarado. Well, guess who sells tickets? But uh, this is Chicago with a huge, huge Eastern European, Eastern Bloc uh, community there. They Kavalowska should be a draw. I really don't understand why he is not up higher on this card. Mike Alvarado, son. He rules the Midwest. Good God. All right, so Conlon versus Chanez. Um, I doubt 
Gideus is going to get any TV shine? No. Had an epic knockout at the fight that you were at, the Lomachenko card. Which I did not see. No. What is he, the sixth fight down on the card? It's ridiculous. Yeah, man. It's like Callum Smith on a matchroom card. (laughs) All right, then let's move into some news and notes, some announcements, and a little bit of talk, and we'll get these people out of here. The second episode of the week is drawing late. Uh, Is it? Yeah. Good God. Yeah, it's very, very late. So everybody was wondering when the next big PBC card would be. Not the PBC on Bounce, not the PBC on FS1. We know that the calendar was wiped clean of ESPN dates. Mm -hmm. No money left in the coffers for Al Heyman and company. So who would be this PBC on Fox date? When you brought it up before you told me what the fight that was announced today is actually going to be the headliner for PBC on Fox, I was 100% convinced that it would be Deontay Wilder versus his next schlep, Mm -hmm. versus his next bum, versus his next whatever you want to call an opponent of a guy who is completely and wildly overrated. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's not. It's even better. I don't think it gets any better than this. If there has been a pupil, a, uh, I guess, like, one of the original loyal members of the cult that is Al Heyman is Robert Guerrero. Mm-hmm. We thought that Chris Ariola was old school Al Heyman. No. Robert Guerrero gets put over again and again and again. What's hilarious to me is that he has been billed as the opponent for the last five fights. Yes. But he's probably getting another cool mill. And if the PBC thinks that in this fight they are going to put over Omar Figueroa, this is one of the... I think it's the cherry on top of piss-poor matchmaking, piss-poor fighter development, and a focus on those that, well... Dry the coffers. Well, for those who wave the PBC flag, those playing the violins as the fucking PBC Titanic goes down. Is Chris Carlson still halfway through his first podcast? (laughs) We'd have to go check. I'm not sure. About 80 hours into it. Halfway through episode one. (laughs) He's still waving that banner, isn't he? uh, He hadn't shut up yet to realize that it's over. It's this. This lets everybody know right here. I mean, a Fox primetime card, and you're going to throw me Robert Guerrero and Omar Figueroa with a lead-in fight of Shawnee Moynihan and Marcus Brown. That, that's what the PBC is bringing. And you know why they're bringing that? Because you said a cool million. I don't think Robert Guerrero is worth a cool mill anymore, and I think Al can justify not giving him that. I'd venture to say that there is maybe $2 million spent on this entire card in fighter purses, they ain't got shit left. And this is a date that's already been paid for. You might as well fill it with something, but you're not going to fill it with something that's going to cost you even more money. You're going to fill it with some shit. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is perfect. PBC Fox on a budget. Balling on a budget. That's the PBC, baby. Man, Robert Guerrero has always been, you know, even, I guess it's been ever since the Floyd fight. You know, at 147 pounds, he has been one of the most average fighters in the world. How do you go from a shifty, rangy, 130-pounder that boxes to a welterweight that pressures fighters? $4 million. (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) 
And then the five million he's made over the last five fights. You know what? Good for Robert Guerrero, you know, for as comical and comedic and, uh, you know, cartoonish as his father can be sometimes. Mm -hmm. Robert Guerrero is a good guy. I have nothing against him. Um, My issue with Robert Guerrero has nothing to do with him personally at all. My issue with Robert Guerrero is that the PBC utilized him as a loyal, loyal fighter to Al Heyman that they used him and threw him on these fights and, and, and on, on, on all these PBC cards. And it wasn't that he made a million dollars per fight. It wasn't that he was getting rewarded for being a loyal pupil. It had to do with the fact that the PBC spent two years, and I don't know how many millions of dollars, with these vignettes, television production specials, that you know exploited his wife over and over and over again. To, cr- to try to manufacture some sort of following, like, you know, uh, like I feel bad for this guy, kind of sympathy following mm-hmm. for Robert Guerrero, all the while trumpeting him as a six-time world champion when he was a two-time world champion, and I believe at least one, maybe two of those, were vacant belts. So it's really, really hard for me to get behind the, the persona that the PBC tried to manufacture for Robert Guerrero or the fact that they weren't smart enough to pick somebody else's persona to manufacture. <laughs> what's, what's worse, that you took an average fighter that was loyal to you and tried to turn him into something that didn't exist by, by just making things up? I think you missed it, Ken. I think he was groomed and prepared to be exactly what he has been, which is a name that people saw on the regular, was a decent fighter. But in the end, he could use that name to build his better, more marketable fighters in his eyes. That's how I view it. At least at this PBC run, anyways. I think that's exactly how Al Heyman viewed it. I don't think that's how Robert Guerrero viewed it. No. I think he believed all the bullshit that Al Heyman was pumping up his ass. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He got rich doing it, so I ain't going to feel sorry for him. Oh, I don't feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for all those people that believe that Robert Guerrero was one of the PBC stalwarts. Yeah. And then again, I don't feel bad for Chris Carlson. <laughs> and yeah, you, you have no heart, Ken. You know, the thing with Shawnee Monaghan versus Marcus Brown, whatever. Marcus Brown is very basic. Um, I think he's a tough guy. He's got a decent game. He is the heir apparent to Andre Durrell. One, two. One, two. two. Um, Shawnee Monahan should be fighting uh, Adonis, or I'm sorry, Adonis. When was the last time I called him Adonis? <laughs> probably, probably around the same time he honored a mandatory challenger. Three years ago was the, the last time I, I Adonis came out of my mouth. You know what would make this card look a lot fucking better was if it, if it was Joe Smith and Shawnee Moynihan. Okay, wouldn't it look a lot better if it was where I was just going with this? If it was a Duckness, yeah, versus Monahan, yeah. I mean, who can't get behind a fucking Adonis cash grab? Uh, he can't. Adonis again. <laughs> he he must be making a turnaround. <laughs> He'll turn. Yeah, he made that years ago. <laughs> Dude, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, Hulkamania to Hollywood Hogan mm-hmm. back to Hulkamania. <laughs> Somehow, I don't see that happening. For old Aduckness. No. I see him remaining a Chickenson 
Um, Shawnee Monahan versus Marcus Brown. This, you know, I think Monahan should win this fight. But are they going to get him any opportunities? This this might actually be a decent fight, but it's not on a, on a you know, neither one of these guys are going to be challenged. They may challenge for a belt, but they're just not world-class talent. Let's just hope that the fact that it's uh, 9 o'clock here, uh, you know, while we recorded this show, that we're just kind of minimizing what Shawnee Monahan versus Marcus Brown could possibly be. Actually, considering the turds that they're serving up on the platter um, earlier in the night. Yeah. Maybe Shawnee Monahan versus Marcus Brown actually saves the day. It, I, it, very, it has a chance to. I'll give it that. All right. <clears throat> Two more things, and we will leave you all um, in our slumbered stupor. Keith Thurman, your boy. Mm-hmm. Just like... Deontay Wilder coming off of a broken hand. Going to be back in six days. Ready to go. <laughs> Apparently had to have elbow surgery. Okay, What was the elbow surgery? What Sparring? I, I doubt he was in the gym after that fight. I, the, did they say like a ligament or... Because I saw a picture with a bruise and a Band-Aid. That was just a pamphlet for Obamacare, man. <laughs> Um, yeah, who knows? Pamphlet for Obamacare. Car accident again? Must have been. Must have wrecked his Mustang again. Um, look, everybody that knows anything about or has stayed at a Holiday Inn Express knows that an elbow surgery at least six months. Yeah. Okay. So Keith Thurman's like, I'll be back at the end of the year. Nope. See you in 2018. Yep. If your surgery that you just had, and I don't know where you had it at, is being sealed up by band-aids, it wasn't just one band-aid, man. There was no gauze. There was no wraps. There was no, you know, uh, films or anything like that sealing in his wounds. It was PBC's Dr. Kevorkian did the work, right? He literally had PBC brand band-aids with Al Heyman's face on them. <laughs> you know, like in the old Batman, the Adam West Batman, when him and Robin would be fighting the bad guys and they'd hit him and the screen would freeze and the big comic blast would be like, pow, boom, bam, bap. That's right. It's <laughs> Al Heyman with that same sort of cartoon comic book. Instead of bam, it says PBC. Oh, somebody should uh, Photoshop that. Heymanites? Yeah. Heymanites? Did you see Heymanites' most recent Photoshop? He put my face on a uh, superhero bitch-slapping Ludabella. I did. <laughs> and he said, that one's for Vin. <laughs> he said, oh, he said, Vin sends his regards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I'd like to share the one that he shared with me in my DM that was <laughs> fucking ridiculous. We'll, we'll have to, I'll show you that one after <laughs> the show, Ken. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. But I'm sorry, man. If you got Band-Aids on after surgery, it makes me think that maybe there wasn't a surgery, that you had a bruised elbow. It's like, hey, man, he gives, like, his el- <laughs> throw some Band-Aids on that shit. Make it look like I got surgery. <laughs> yeah. To me, it looked more like, did he have, like, his elbow drained? Like, was there fluid there? Or? Yeah. It was, like, it was severely bruised. Yeah. But that might just be the half white in him. You know what I'm saying? When you half white, you be seeing that shit, you mom. bruise up. Yeah, all the time. 
Um, so Keith Thurman, we'll see you in 2018 against the winner of Robert Guerrero in Omar Figueroa. <laughs> <laughs> That's your boy, and, and you know him right. <laughs> I'll take it. Pad my boy's record. All right, one last little nugget to leave you with. It seems that the fight is all but squared away as far as date and time. Felix Verdejo will challenge Terry Flanagan for the WBO lightweight championship of the world. From obscurity to world champion. (laughs) Unbelievable, man. Two years ago, I would have said Felix Verdejo wipes the floor with Terry Flanagan five times in one night without breaking a sweat. Man. Because that's how high I was on this kid as a prospect. Everybody was. It wasn't just us, man. Fuck. Everybody was. What the fuck ESPN happened? Prospect of the Year, USA Today Prospect of the Year. I mean, dude, well, everybody. Well, that should have been assigned to everybody because that means Mike <laughs> Coppinger had him as Prospect of the Year. Starting to question my entire uh, boxing knowledge right now, Ken. Thanks, then, thanks then, for letting uh, me know that. Then, there, whether you like to admit it or not, there's been times in your boxing podcast hosting career where you have actually agreed with Mike Coppinger and Kevin Horn. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I highly doubt it. Hey, don't don't bring him up, man. Oh, all of a sudden, we'll be doing a segment. No, all of a sudden, we'll get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rest in peace, boxing junkie. Yeah. Rest in peace. I wonder where he got boxing junkie from, from the Washington, D.C. area. You think he stole that from a local sports show, sports junkies? Mm. I don't know. Mm. I would have, yeah. Coppinger's a straight up and down guy. Down oh, he's very that. creative. Yeah. That's why he worked for a newspaper that publishes stories at a third grade reading level. <laughs> Creati- creativity. They let you not only use red, orange, green, and yellow crayon. But they also give you pink and neon blue. And you can go outside the lines. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, you can tell we're getting tired, buddy. You better be careful, man. Now that fucking uh, Mike Coppinger's out of a job and Leon Lawson's on the loose, we got two guys in the area we can't trust. (laughs) Ebony and Ivory. (laughs) <laughs> they're gonna form a hobo club <laughs> like brother where art thou except it's mike coppinger and lee <laughs> oh there's another idea for you Hamanites. oh for christ's sake oh if i had the time i'd do it myself <laughs> <laughs> oh, i love it all right get this fucking train out of here all right let's ride thanks for bearing with us on this late night Super duper late night. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a preview. I'm glad everybody waited for that one. <laughs> if you made it through the preview, you got to some funny shit at the end of the show, right? Or maybe it wasn't. I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. I was laughing. Oh, you've been listening to episode 165 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter. At Kenny Keith Jr. And follow Vince Cummings at Vince Cummings 81. We'll be back next week with a post fight of Kell Brook versus Errol Spence. Who will reign supreme, Ben? Kell Brook, Errol Spence, or George Groves? It ain't going to be George Groves. 
<laughs> It'll either be Brooke or Spence. Uh, we appreciate all of you tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. You've been listening to the tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.